ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello, y'all. This is our second to last episode of October and spooky season and all the things. So welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Yes, welcome. We hope you're enjoying your beginning of fall and all the spooky things and the yummy treats. Oh, yeah. What are you what are you drinking today, mom? Um, you know, I'm actually just drinking a Guinness because it's what I had on hand. <laughs> I love that. Guinness is is one of my comfort beers. I feel like every now and then you just got to have a Guinness. Um, I am having a Pliny the Elder. Um, Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. So I, I picked up a four pack because there's this bar by my house that sells four packs for like 20 bucks and I was like I'll get get one like why not so (laughs) I need the elder um any what the ale moments this week hmm let me think about that um you know probably my only what the ale moment is like I'm trying to buy my middle child a car Mm. and um it is a process man because I want to buy a little bit of an older car a little bit cheaper car but I want it to be low mileage and um yeah it is a process I've been looking for like a month I have three test drives scheduled this week and it's just like a lot of work but I'm really looking forward to them having a car because it will make my life much easier if they can drive themselves to school and soccer um since I still have to drive the youngest daughter um so yeah if my middle kids driving themselves that would be really amazing yeah that would definitely alleviate some stress for you I'm sure shopping for a used car is a headache (laughs) for sure oh absolutely I I don't doubt it I respect people I I didn't even like shopping for my car and I bought my car during COVID and did all of my negotiating online and I still hate it so um not fun at all but yeah, it'll be great if I can find something, they would be more thrilled than they've ever been in their whole life. <laughs> so sure they would, yeah. And this is my child who did not want to learn how to drive, thought it was stupid that I wanted them to learn how to drive and now loves the freedom of driving so much that is dying for a car. So, and I told them they would love the freedom of driving, but they didn't believe me because, you know, nobody believes mom. But I'm glad that they have embraced the freedom of driving. And now I just need to give them a car so that they can like drive themselves to things and I don't have to be the chauffeur anymore. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. What about you? Any what the L? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like what the, the, they're tied together, but they're separate things. <laughs> but I, uh, this past weekend went to San Francisco and got a Friday the 13th tattoo um, which yes, you who don't know, um, you know, certain tattoo artists, if there's a Friday the 13th, will do flashes of tattoos that are very, very discounted and they're cute and they're fun. And so I got um, a tattoo of Miss Casey from Scream, which if people don't know who Casey is, um, she is the Drew Barrymore character. So if you've seen the we first- love Drew Barrymore. 
you do. She's so sweet. Um, so I, th- there were other options. Like I could have gotten a Jason mask and there was like the flying eyeball. What movie is that from the flying eyeball? I don't remember, but there were like different movie things. And this was my favorite. So <laughs> flying eyeball. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a flying eyeball? I swear there's a flying eyeball from one of them. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this is going to drive me crazy. Is it like Phantasm or something or Hellraiser? I feel like there's a flying eyeball. There may be. I'm not sure. You know, but it's funny that your what the L moment has to do with your flash tattoo. Because as you may know, my next tattoo is a tattoo that I'm wanting to get done by an artist who has done a tattoo for you. Yeah. Fabulous. They them that lives in San Diego. Oh, love them so much. I yes. I aspire um, for Rudy to just do all the time. So I am hoping to get my tattoo in January when I'm able to get back to San Diego because I love San Diego. Um, but since you brought up tattoos and that made me think of San Diego, I this time wanted to do an actual haunted house because my Amityville, after doing my research, was not as haunted as I wanted it to be. So I decided to do another haunted house that happens to be one of the most famous haunted houses in California, Alana, San Diego. Do you know what I'm talking about? Bailey House. Girl. Girl. I feel like I'm never going to stump you. (laughs) Girl, listen, I have stood outside of the Whaley House hoping someone would drop out of a tour so I could go, and I have not been able to go, so. Well, that's what I was thinking. When I go down to get my tattoo in January, you should join, and we should do the evening tour. You know, I'm not paying to close the place down and do it myself. I'm not brave enough either, Um, but we should do the spirited tour at night. See, because they give you all this, they let you do all the things. It's a little expensive, but I'm totally going. So you should join. I would be down. I feel like I have been traveling a lot the past few months, but like I feel like between the end of or like November to like the end of the year, I really don't have as much planned. So I feel like I'll be a mm-hmm. bit more like antsy and needing to get somewhere. And also, a suncation is perfect in January. Yeah, I January. live. as if I don't see the sun every day I live in the bay area I see the sun in the ocean every day but I do feel like you also deal with the fog (laughs) deal with the fog um but I would I would love I would love a quick little trip down to San Diego um so well and then you can introduce me to your fabulous tattoo artist because I loved the work they did for you well you just have to dm them and then we'll I will yeah and then I'll go and I'll be like Rudy (laughs) <laughs> let's get brunch <laughs> no. um, all right so the whaley house whaley house so i'm going to kind of go back and forth i'm going to tell a little bit about the house mm-hmm. and then i'm going to tell i'm going to go back and tell a little bit about the family and how the whaley house ended up coming to be and a little history of the town that is important to the story so i'm going to bounce around a little bit but hopefully it all makes sense um, so for those of you that do not know, the Whaley House is considered a central pillar amongst the Old Town San Diego community. Yep. So from 1857 to the early part of the 20th century, the Whaley House was like a gathering place for really the whole community. Um, they, uh, it was primarily the family home for the Whaley family who we're going to get into 
but it was also San Diego's first commercial theater and it would see 150 people, which is, you know, pretty big for the time. Um, it served as a second county courthouse and they also had a bilingual general store. And, you know, I don't know if people know San Diego very well, but it's very close to the border. There's a lot of Spanish speaking people. So it was very cool way back then to have a bilingual um, general store. Cool. So um, the home actually became a really integral part of the community. And <laughs> there was actually a battle happening kind of between Old Town and New Town, San Diego, um, <laughs> because this was like Old Town. And so Old Town was like, we're claiming this space. Um, and the San Diego, like county government was renting a port, a portion of the Whaley house to have it's like office of records. Okay. And so when Newtown started being built up, they wanted to bring all of that to Newtown and there was like a big battle for it. Um, which seems strange now, but that's what they were fighting for back then. You know, I get it. <laughs> I feel like records back then would have been a lot of hassle to move. So, okay. well, and I do want to say though, the old towners did not go out without a fight. They were armed and threatening and resistant. And they were like, you are not taking our county clerk records. Um, but anyways, at some point, uh, it was around March 31st of 1871. All of that shifted to Newtown. So, um, now, I do also want to say that this house was built on the site of what was the public gallows at the time. So there were several people that were put to death as punishment for whatever their crimes were. And we are going to discuss in more detail one of those criminals in a little bit. Alana, do you know the name of the criminal that I'm probably going to talk about? I do, but for some reason... All I can think of is Jack, but that's all I got. Am I wrong? You're close. It's Yankee Jim. Jim. Sorry. <laughs> what is funny, he's called Yankee Jim, but he's actually Canadian. So that's kind of funny. That is funny. I was, I was going to say, I think Jack is a different ghost that I was thinking of, but yes, I am. I am definitely, I am familiar with Yankee Jim. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get back to Yankee Jim and um, some of the happenings before the house was built and then some of the obvious haunted happenings that happened after the house was built. Okay. Um, but um, first, I want to talk, talk about Thomas Whaley. So again, the Whaley house was primarily used for his family residential home, even though it had other, you know, uses at the time, too. Yeah. So Thomas Whaley was born on October 5th, 1823. He came from a Scots-Irish family, which immigrated to Plymouth, Massachusetts, Alana, which is where you're going to be this weekend, in 1722. I ain't ever been to Plymouth. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either, but you know. I um, but, heard that The Rock is Massachusetts, not you're a fan. I do love that. So let's get into a little bit of the family history so you can kind of know where Thomas came from. Um so Alexander Whaley is Thomas's great grandfather, and he was a gunsmith and participated in the Boston Tea Party. Of course. During the Revolutionary War, he provided flintlock muskets for soldiers. Wow. And then Alexander also allowed the use of his Long Island home mm -hmm. um, to, he, he kind of like let a very famous up and coming general use that. 
as a place to stay and kind of as a headquarters. And I want to see if you can guess who the general was. Here comes the general. Rise up. I mean, it's obviously George Washington. Why are we even? <laughs> what time of joke? Right. <laughs> the general George Washington used Alexander Way's house as a kind of headquarters. Um, uh, Thomas, I'm going to call him Thomas Jr., his father, Thomas Whaley, carried on the family gunsmith business, and he served in the New York militia during the War of 1812. Oh. Um, okay. And then he, again, this is Thomas Sr., he married Rachel Pye, whose father, William Pye, manufactured locks in Brooklyn. And when I say that he sold locks, like, apparently they were beautifully custom-made locks. They were not like normal padlocks or locks on a door they were like artistic and unique and beautiful um so the two families came together and they created a new york based business called pie and whaley and they sold the handmade locks by pie as well as hardware window sashes and woodwork mm -hmm. and then thomas senior ended up dying when thomas was only seven years old mm -hmm. So his mom and his older brothers took over the family business, but they really wanted to support Thomas Jr. with getting his education. So he got a formal education at the Washington Institute. Okay. And then he took a little break and traveled around Europe, which, you know, good for him. We are a fan of a gap year. <laughs> I support the journey, my friend. <laughs> yes. Um. So he took kind of some time and traveled around and probably grew as a human because traveling to other countries is an amazing way to grow as a human. Um, yeah. And then when he returned, he decided to rent a room instead of going back to his mother's home. I think he just enjoyed his independence and didn't want to go back home, which I totally get. So he ended up renting a room from a French teacher named Madame Victoria Lenay. Okay. And... This is how he met his future wife, Anna, because she was the daughter of Madame Victoria. Wow. Cool. So how did this East Coast boy get to the West Coast? That is my question. Did he go on the Oregon Trail? <laughs> no. <laughs> he took a long journey, though. Um, in 1848, he decided to follow the cries of gold, and he made his way out West to seek a gold rush fortune. Well, he he sailed from New York to San Francisco. Huh? Oh, never mind, San Francisco, just kidding. I was thinking San Diego immediately. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He had, a, he had a pit stop in San Francisco. So how long do you think, so he sailed, how long do you think a trip from New York to San Francisco took back then? I mean... That has to at least be a few months, if not like a year, right? Like, because yeah. yeah. the Panama Canal exists, I don't think so. So how <laughs> did he? How did he? Like, yeah. did he go above or did he go below? And either way, that's really far. Yeah, it took two hundred and four days. So I just can't imagine like being like my chap. My next chapter is I'm going to be in the gold rush and I'm going to be a millionaire. And then I like start that journey and it takes 204 days to even get there. <laughs> so, um, but he did in a wagon. Yeah. But he arrives in California in 1849 and he set up a store um, on Montgomery street in San Francisco 
with a business partner named George Wordle. Cool. And at that store, he sold hardware and woodwork from his family New York business. So um, Pye and Whaley, he sold some of their wares. He also, you know, because of the gold rush, he also sold mining equipment and utensils on consignment. Mm-hmm. So wanted to help people on their mining journey. Yeah. So he flourished in San Francisco. He did really well. But there was an arson set fire that destroyed a bunch of buildings on Montgomery Street in May of 1851. So he relocated to San Diego. And this was because he had a friend named Lewis Franklin, who um, was a merchant that he was, you know, kind of um, good friends with. But he operated stores in both San Francisco and San Diego. So he was like, come on down and set up shop down there. You know, he already had some community down there. He had some connections. Um, so Thomas Whaley ended up following him down there and there he set up various businesses with Franklin, the friend that told him to come down. Uh, and then a couple of other people, Ephraim wrote, uh, Morse, Francis Hinton, and then his brother, Henry. And with all of the money, you know, they were very successful entrepreneurs in San Diego. So with all of the money that he was able to amass in San, uh, San Diego, He was able to return to New York to marry his sweetheart, Anna, on May 14th, 1853. Oh, well, that's so cute that he like. I know. So like that time they took apart so that he can kind of come into his own and like build something to, you know, sustain a family and all of that. So he came back for her, though. I mean, I feel like as a person who is like potentially dating and looking for a person that could be a person um yeah part of so much of it is like being ready and like being like I am stable and I have my crap yeah. figured out and like I'm a fully functioning adult <laughs> exactly I pay my bills you know well uh, I do think you know if his family had like you know a business in New York I could see like not wanting to be in the shadows you know but still wanting uh, to coordinate with the business, sell the wares, but like wanting to make my own. So I think coming to the West coast was probably really good for him in terms of like his own growth and, you know, finding it as the youngest child and all of that. Well, and kudos for him for like wanting to like, or having that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit and being like, I want to do and see and like do my own thing. And like, I'll sell some wares, but it's going to be my, my way, you know, like, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Me too. Anyway, he gets married. <laughs> so they get married. And then shortly after the marriage in 1855, Thomas and Anna returned to San Diego. Um, and then that was when Thomas Willie purchased the land and set forth on his journey to build one of the finest homes in California at the time. Okay. Um, I do want to talk about the growth of the family because some of the situations with the kids are significant. So by 1858, Thomas and Anna Whaley produced three children, Francis Hinton, named for the business partner, Love Thomas, it. obviously, uh, Thomas Third, who died at 18 months, which we will talk more about as well, and then Anna Amalia. Okay. Um, and then later in life, they ended up having three more children, George, George Hayes Ringgold, which is named for the other business partner. Violet Eloise, who is a significant part of this story, and Corinne Lillian. Okay. 
Okay. So once they were back in San Diego, he started engaging in a brick making business in Mission Valley. Okay. And these were the first burnt bricks made in San Diego County. So um, I don't know what the other kind of bricks are if they're not burnt bricks, <laughs> but um, apparently this was a new thing back then. So it was, you know, people enjoyed that. Um like burnt bricks. Are those like bricks that we think of now? Like when you have an I think so. exposed brick. Maybe, maybe, you know, like when you see like older houses and they kind of have like the more jank, I don't want to say janky, that's rude, but like older buildings and they have like bricks that are clearly like they like hand crunch them and they're not pretty. Maybe it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really know because I didn't, I wasn't too interested in the bricks. I mostly wanted to get to the ghost, <laughs> but he made a successful brick making business. Good for him. And that was something that he did outside of the family, you know, business because they didn't do bricks. So this was something new that he was creating on his own. Um, now I do want to get into a little bit of the dark history about the property. Cause like, as I said before, it was the site where a courthouse and some gallows were uh, before he purchased it. Okay. And so one of the most infamous people to be publicly executed was Yankee Jim Robinson. All righty. Now, Thomas Whaley apparently was present at Yankee Jim's execution. It didn't say why, like, was he just living there and like spectator or did he have a part in it? I don't know. Um, But he was there. I feel Uh, like though back then, like, and maybe they touched on this in other ghost hunting shows and things, but I feel like back then there wasn't a lot to do. Yeah. And like public executions were a thing. Like I think about like the Salem witch trials and things. People were like losing their minds to just get to like, watch it happen even though yeah. it's horrible that you're killing somebody well I mean you see that even now I mean in states that still do executions people will be lining up outside even though they can't see it they'll be lining up outside either to support it or to protest it so that's still a thing even now yeah absolutely yeah. okay so even though and we're gonna get back to Yankee Jim I promise but even though Thomas knew that there was some like history there that was a little dark or you know could turn some people away he was unfazed by that grim history and he like was really determined to build his dream home okay um so on may 6 1856 he proclaimed my new house when completed will be the handsomest most comfortable and convenient place in town or within 150 miles from here so he had big goals (laughs) good for him I love a place to entertain I love hosting and charcuterie parties and things I love it yes (laughs) ma'am so he made a two-story Greek revival house and he designed it himself which is pretty impressive because I think that takes a lot of creativity um, and then he built the house out of the bricks that he made um in his own business which I thought was really cool and then it said that this was the first burnt brick building on the West Coast that was south of San Francisco. So, you know, apparently these kind of houses weren't very common back then. And so they were kind of, um, you know, seen as like the new hip fancy thing. Okay, cool. 
And then um, pretty quickly after it was built, it was praised overwhelmingly as being one of the first of its kind, you know, with the burnt brick and one of the finest homes in Southern California. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> okay. So pretty shortly after moving in, Anna felt strongly that the house was cursed. <laughs> okay. She, I mean, I think she knew the history there, but there was also clearly sounds happening, footsteps, weird whispers, things like that. Okay. Um, and then the family did experience a tragedy um, because their son, Thomas, I guess would be the third, um, he died of scarlet fever when he was only 18 months old. Oh. And so that's one of the ghosts that we're going to get into because people really do hear, you know, babies, baby crying and things like that. So they think that's the ghost of Thomas the third. Um, now, before we get into some of the other haunted stuff, though, I do want to go back to Yankee Jim because he is for sure a presence in the house. So I want to give a little bit of his story. Um, Alana, do you know anything about what his crime was or any of that stuff? You know, I feel like quite a few podcasts have covered this and I've definitely watched um, like three or four ghost hunting shows about it. So I should. Um, did it have yeah, anything to do with like burglary? Stealing with a boat. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I was like, I feel like he stole something and I couldn't remember what. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So who is Yankee Jim? So he was a six foot three Canadian man. And I only mentioned his height because it was rare for the time for somebody to be that tall. And that does come into play later in the story. So we love normally would not mention somebody's height. We, you know, I'm a shorty. We like heights of all ranges. We do not discriminate. But yes. his height will become important later in the story. Um, so apparently he and two of his buddies came through San Diego. Now, I really want to stress there were certain articles that said that people saw them as like basically good guys and like, you know, not troublemakers, whatever. And then there were other articles that described them as like notorious criminals and horse thieves. Okay. Um, so I don't know what is true or not, but what happened in San Diego is clear. So okay. he and his two buddies um, decided they were going to steal a 30 foot boat that was docked in the San Diego Bay. And you know, obviously they got caught in the act. And so the two friends were captured immediately and they admitted to the crime of like attempting to steal a boat. Um, and I'm just going to do the punchline. They were convicted, you know, they went to trial and everything, but they were convicted of one year in jail for the attempted theft. But Jim ran to avoid capture and he stole a rowboat. And, so, you know, to try to get away, he stole a rowboat. And so he took his little rowboat. He ended up getting caught a few hours later. And within days of being captured, the county who had like the authority over the whole bay placed Jim and his two friends on trial. Mm -hmm. And I guess for some reason, Yankee Jim kind of thought it was a little joke. Like he, he thought it was like a skit to like designed to scare him straight or something. 
Oh. Um, and so some of the jury were made up the, of the men that like originally chased him and like tracked him down. And then there were also like some articles that stated that the judge, whose name was Benjamin Hayes, was drunk during much of the trial. So, you know, if you have people on the jury that are the ones that captured you and the judge is drunk, that's that not doesn't fair. quite feel like a fair trial. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Um, and then the prosecutor that began the trial, um, kind of like, I, I, you know, well, I don't know if it was embellished or not, because I don't know what Yankee Jim Robinson's plans were. But the prosecutor, James Robinson, no relation to Yankee Jim Robinson, okay. said that he was planning to steal this boat to commit piracy on the high seas. And again, I don't know if that's true or not. He seemed like kind of more of a common criminal if he was like a long lasting criminal. I'm not sure which story is right, but it doesn't seem like he was planning to commit piracy. Based on what I know of Yankee Jim, which is very limited. But based on what I know, he sounds like the type of guy that's like, I just want to like drink some wine on my boat. I want to have a boat that's like, you know. Well, it's funny you should say that because my next point was going to be that during the trial, he was kind of like laughing a bit and like making light of it. Like, I really don't think that he thought this was that big of a deal. And, you know, he did seem kind of like lighthearted. I mean, I, I don't know that he was intending to like mock the court. Right. But he, I just don't think he realized that this was that big of a deal. Huh. Um, but, you know, they so that because the two friends admitted, you know, the guilt and they didn't actually steal the boat. It was attempted stealing. You know, they got off with the one year, but Jim didn't admit his crime. And when he tried to get away, he stole the rowboat. So they were and then they added the piracy charges and all of that. So after a very short deliberation, you know, again, jury of the peers of the people who tracked you down, which seems very unfair, um, they reached the verdict and found him guilty and recommended death. Damn. The people really wanted, like, swift justice. They, like, wanted to take him outside right then and lynch him. And the judge made them wait until the whole next day. (laughs) So... You know, he was like, we're not going to be a mob that carries him out right now from the courtroom. We're going to give him a whole day, which, you know, I don't know if that's actually generous or not. He stole a boat. What? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really don't think that's worth murder and, you know, taking somebody's life. But no. Um, so they they agreed to make him wait 24 hours. But while he was awaiting his death sentence. Where do you think they held him? The Whaley House. Well, the Whaley House was not there quite yet. Oh, they hold him in a bar? They held him shackled to a tree, looking at the gallows. Uh-uh. So overnight, he was shackled to a tree, looking at the gallows. Uh, that, to me, seems cruel and unusual. Hmm. I don't like that. I don't like I that. I don't like that. Either. That stinks. So, yeah. So the hanging took place on August 18th, the next day after the verdict was read. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as he, you know, 
was out there and saw the rope and all of that, he really like it hit home that this is real and that they're actually doing this. Cause again, up until then, he kind of thought it might be like a skit to scare him straight. I mean, and honestly too, like he was probably in such shock and denial. Like this happened so quickly. Like you think about like people today, they're on death row for at least a few years. Like they're not on there for like a day. Like, yeah. Well, and again, he stole a boat, like a rowboat. Yeah, he stole a boat. We're not talking about a $30 million yacht. He stole a rowboat yeah. and he's getting sentenced to death. No, I'm not understanding. He stole a boat. I get he tried to run away, but all he did was steal yeah. a boat. Like, yeah. y'all. So, and this is where the height, you know, I know I mentioned his height earlier, but this is where his height becomes a factor because the gallows were not tall enough to account for a man that was six foot three. That was like a large height for the time. I know we have all kinds of people that are taller than that. Yep. I am 5'3", so I have no idea what it feels like to be that tall. <laughs> um, but that's much more common to have somebody that tall nowadays. Back then, it was not common. So the scaffolding that they were hanging him from was not tall enough. Um, so his you know, tippy toes were reaching the ground. So instead of this being a quick death, it took him half an hour to slowly strangle to death oh my god yeah I mean and because I mean he was on his tippy toes so he probably held it as long as he could yeah and then he like got exhausted and then he like suffocated that's horrible yeah that is to me that sounds a little bit like torture that's not you know when I think of like you know the um I don't know, I can a death sentence, it, you know, it's supposed to be as painless as possible. And this just doesn't sound like it was that. Um, so yeah, he spent a half an hour strangling on the rope before he finally died. And then I just, you know, he was tall for the time. So the coffins that they had were not made to fit a man his size. Okay. So Alana, what do you think they decided to do to make him fit in the coffin? Did they cut him? up did they like cut his head off or something they broke his legs oh in order to stuff him into the coffin no so again you know just not a very you know considerate like we should respect human life um even if it's a criminal we should not treat them with that kind of disregard um but they didn't care and then he was buried in the cemetery that was on the grounds and his his grave can still be, be visited today. So when the Whaley House was built, it's built on those grounds where the gallows are. And then the cemetery is still outside of the house. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, so if I were Yankee Jim, I would curse those fuckers. I'd be like, I would be so pissed, girl. <laughs> I'm going to curse you. Um, like, I would be, uh-uh. I would like go off. I would go fucking like Salem, that guy in Salem who like cursed all the sheriffs for like eternity and all the sheriffs have died. Like I would pull that shit. Like I would be like, oh, I stole a boat. I don't deserve this. (laughs) I, so I totally agree with you. If I was Yankee Jim, I would be pissed. I would be pissed that I got that sentence. I would be pissed Uh, about how the sentence was carried out. And I would be pissed about how they treated my body after my death because I deserve more respect than that as a human being. Yeah. So, um, okay, sorry, continue. Okay. So, 
you know, the execution of Yankee Jim should have brought some closure to one of the most sensational cases of 1852, mm-hmm. but it was only the beginning because shortly after the hanging, citizens started reporting that they saw his ghost in the area around the gallows of course they did because he was treated and then he had to sit there he had to sit there yeah i'm just saying like you talk about ghosts and like to me i'm like it's like residual energy or whatever if i was in that situation can you imagine the emotion and the 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 vibes the energy that was left on that spot of course they're seeing him there like one just, I mean, I would be so angry, but, um, so, you know, again, the Whaley house was built on, um, in 1857, but those spirited sightings of Yankee Jim particularly continued. Okay. Um, now he's mainly seen in the room, um, like the parlor, I don't know, he's kind of, so he's often on the staircase directly over where the gallows were hung. Okay. Um, but there's also like the, um, you know, there's like a doorway, like an archway okay. between like kind of the hallway area, the you know, where you come in the entrance to where the parlor is. And okay. people say that's where the gallows were, like in that archway. So when people are standing under that archway, they particularly particularly feel feelings of despair. Um, some people experience feeling choking sensations when they're standing in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is often seen in that area. Okay. I mean, that doesn't shock me again, like given the story, but that's just so sad. Yeah. That, again, like I, I hate stories like this where someone died really tragically um and you're like kind of getting residual symptoms almost of that death it's just so sad yeah when I just feel like they did him dirty I'm not gonna lie <laughs> you know, so I have a lot of empathy for you know Yankee Jim he stole a boat yeah <laughs> a rowboat like you know whatever a rowboat um I could probably steal a rowboat right now from Golden Gate Park and I would probably get a ticket yeah. like that is it <laughs> Now, there was a journal entry from Thomas Whaley where, and this was in 1860, where he was saying that he often hears footsteps upstairs and that he really did believe that they belonged to the condemned Canadian um, Yankee Jim. And, you know, Thomas Whaley was there as an execution. So I think, you know, if he did have any feelings of remorse or guilt or any of that, that would make sense why he would associate those footsteps with him too. Um, and then I just thought this was a fun fact that I read in one of the articles because who knew, you know, we watch like ghost hunting kind of shows now. Um, but apparently in 1964, television personality Regis Philbin. I knew, I knew this. I know this this. girl Regis. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know this. Um, but he and a companion tried to stay the night in the house. And around 2.30 a.m., they saw someone or something walk from the study into the music room. And when they shine a flashlight, the person vanished into thin air. Yeah. So the man, the, both of the men fled the house. And um, and then the house, you know, the idea that it was a haunted house, that idea exploded. Yeah. And so... You know, obviously since then, almost 
every like ghost hunter show or YouTuber or whatever has been to the Whaley house. Yeah. Um, Can I touch on the Regis story though? Okay. Yeah. Um, so there was this really interesting show where a median would, a medium would take celebrities to places where they had experienced ghosts. And so Regis actually revisited in like the early 2010s. And, um, Oh, really? Yeah. And they had the medium there. And so they were, I, again, I'm not whatever. I don't know anything about this medium and I wish I knew her name off the top of my head, but she said that like they were there, they did the whole thing. Um, and actually the friend who Regis with, was with had recently passed. And so the, the medium was picking up like two energies and one she believed to be a woman and she believed it was Anna Whaley. And then the other okay. was the friend and the friend was there basically like whatever, but it was the way Regis explained it was like, he was like army crawling to try to get closer to the entity. And then his friend turned on the flashlight and that's why it disappeared. Oh, but like huh. they, they had been like sleeping. And so Regis was like, okay, I think if I just like inch closer. So he was like, what was he going to do? Grab him? <laughs> I guess he thought it was a real human and not a ghost. Oh, so maybe okay. he was like going to like try. Oh, to so he's it. trying to like debunk it and be like, oh, you guys are trying to scare us. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So he was like trying to do that. And then the friend turned on the flashlight. But then I guess like because the friend had recently passed, like his energy was also with Regis while they were at the Rayleigh house. And so then he had a very like emotional moment. Um, But yeah, I knew that story because of that medium show. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that part. So see, this is why I love doing this with you because I do the research and you always know a little something extra that I didn't know. So that's, that's cool. Only, I think the only added bonus I have to the Whaley house. So. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll have other added bonuses that we'll put on Patreon once we visit. Oh yes. Um, okay. So I do want to go into the tragedies. I know I already me- mentioned that baby Thomas uh, passed away. Yeah. Um, you know, and just, you know, re, reiterating that people hear tiny little footsteps of an 18 month old they hear him crying they hear giggling when nobody else is around um I was gonna and after his death huh oh I was gonna say I feel like baby footprints or toddler footprints are so different like aside from humans but I feel like toddlers always run so it's like a pitter patter it's like a versus yeah it's definitely a pitter patter yeah so you like could tell if it's Um, a yeah, but after his death, you know, the family was so grief-stricken that he they decided to move back to San Francisco. Hmm. Um, and they stayed there until the earthquake of 1868. And then they decided to return back to San Diego. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, there is another tragedy that befell this family and um you know this is where I do want to give a trigger warning for suicide Mm -hmm. um but their daughter Violet Mm -hmm. uh she got married to a man and he turned out to be a con man um so you know I think the stories that seem to be the most consistent you know I mean there were different stories but the one that seemed to be the most consistent was that like he thought that if he married her he would become a part of any inheritance and then at some point he, and at some point, very shortly after they were married, he realized that was not the case and that he would not be entitled to any inheritance. And so he left her. And when I say very shortly, he found this out. 
He left her during their honeymoon. Oh my god. So. Oh. Yeah. So I mean, he was clearly a con man. There must have been some conversation. I don't know, but as soon as he found that out, he left. That reminds me of so. Violent. Huh? Said it reminds me of Corpse Bride, where the guy's like, "It's your and then she's like, "What are you talking about? My marriage is supposed to whatever." And then he ends up dying because he's an asshole. But yeah, (laughs) that's how it feels to me. It feels a little Corpse Bridey. Yeah. Which, if there are any Tim Burton fans and you have not seen a Corpse Bride, you really should because it's great. It's a great Um, time. Danny Elfman as a jazzy skeleton. That's all you need. (laughs) Danny Elfman anytime is all you need. Honestly, he's so wonderful. I love Danny Elfman. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) after the con man left, Violet fell into a deep despair. And her grief was so significant that they were concerned for her safety and they started watching her at all times. So she was like very grief stricken, very hopeless, helpless. Um, You know, so her family was very concerned about how this impacted her. Of course, yeah. So at some point, Violent was able to slip outside while her mother, Anna, was occupied with something else, mm-hmm. and she shot herself in the heart. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Just so sad, and I'm sorry, but I just want to have a mama moment and say, girl, no man is worth all that. I don't care what you thought he was or what he did. He is not worth your heart. Do not harm yourself in response to some stupid ass man. I am going to say though, at that time, her reputation was sealed. Oh, I know. And I mean, and that's so horrible because at the time that was like, your, your option was essentially to get married like, or be a spinster. But that, that's what pisses me off about our history too, is like women are always blamed women. There's something wrong with you if a man leaves or you're suddenly, you know, um, like disregarded because you're seen as unpure or whatever. So like the whole history of all the, that stuff, like really pisses off the feminist part of me. Um, But yeah, so she was probably dealing with a lot, but it seemed like a lot of it was, she thought he really loved her and he didn't. And so she was grief stricken. Sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Um, Yes. She was probably very grief stricken. I was going to say, do you want to know an interesting tidbit I learned today about things? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So you know how they always say that like there's always like an alpha wolf and a wolf pack and yeah. like whatever. And then men have taken that to be like, we're the alpha men. Yeah. yeah. Wolves run a matriarchal society. Yeah. Let me say that for the people in the back. Women rule the wolf. Yeah. So how dare you? <laughs> Well, you know, and I'll say that, you know, our tribe is a matriarchal tribe. I mean, my grandmother was definitely the matriarch of our family. She was absolutely the alpha wolf. She ran everything. So, you know, that's like for us too. Like, I feel like you're absolutely like the, the home base for anyone in our kind of extended chosen, whatever family we're like, oh yeah, we'll just go to mom's or like, we'll do that don't do something unless you're a part of it pretty much like well and it's funny you know because I think of myself as very soft and squishy (laughs) so I don't think of myself as an alpha type personality 
Um, but you know, I've got a mama bear vibe, you know, I'm very protective and, you know, community is very important to me. So I know that even our extended family and, you know, friends of all of my kids, you know, you all feel like this is a safe space. So, you know, I guess that can kind of be an alpha thing, but it's like almost like a softer side of the alpha. But yeah, I, I do own that. I have a lot of power. I have a lot of influence in my community and my people's lives, but it's because people, you know, respect me and they know that I have good intention, I think. I think so. Yeah, it's not because I, I step on people or claim power. That's not my vibe. No, I know. But that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you lead with like love and acceptance. Yeah. And- well, and that's the thing that, you know, I think is really important. There's so many different ways to claim power and, you know, claiming power with love and compassion and non-judgment and empathy. Like, I think that's more powerful than anything. So I kind of love being that kind of alpha. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so poor, um, it was Violet that Violet, me. yeah. Violet girl, we're going to have a little wine for you. And we are, you know, I know at the time it was not, you know, the best and whatever, but I just hope you're having a better afterlife. So unfortunately her father, you know, heard the shot. He ran out and he found her bleeding to death on the ground. Um, So he carried her into the parlor, but she died pretty shortly after. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, I really feel for the mother, Anna, because she had immense guilt over this event. And she felt responsible that she should have been watching her more closely. You know, she had gotten, you know, preoccupied with something else. And Aunt, uh, Violet used that opportunity to slip out and handle that business that she felt compelled to handle, which is really sad. Um, but Anna had a lot of guilt about that. Yeah. And it's so hard because that's not your guilt to hold. Like, I feel like I have been in situations where people in my life have attempted and like you hold that guilt of like, I should have texted them and gotten coffee or I should have whatever. And you can't hold that. But I understand like, especially being a mother, I can't imagine. Well, and I think that kind of guilt is very to be expected, but I agree with you. It's not yours to hold. You got to find a way to put it down. But I think Anna struggled to put that down um, because people didn't know that she was struggling. And so I think she felt pressure that she should have been more present, but it sounds like she really was in a million different ways. And Violet just took that small opportunity. Um, You know, and that's the one thing I will say when somebody decides to commit suicide, they usually don't cry out for help or tell anybody. Um, And so it's kind of impossible to stop when somebody makes that decision. But I know the guilt is really hard. Um, And and just the wishing that you could have done something to stop it. Um, But it's such a tragedy. And again, to do something like that over a man, you know, I just I hate that man for doing that to her and creating that hopelessness. Um, You know, and, and at the time, you know, what you said about the whole pressure on women and the, you know, she, her name was suddenly sullied and like all of that stuff. I just, I hate all of that about our history. I know it still sometimes is very present, um, but I really feel for Violet and I really feel for her family for having to deal with this kind of tragedy, which was so preventable if this man just hadn't entered their lives, you know? Absolutely. No, I agree. It's, It's a real tragedy. And yeah. So, um, so I'm going to go into the spirits a little bit and what people notice. So this is the spooky side. Um, 
So uh, Thomas uh, Sr., I mean, we talked about baby Thomas, but Thomas Sr. is very present in the home. You can often smell his cigar smoke. And apparently, like, if you piss him off, he might blow cigar smoke into your face. <laughs> Um, I love that I love a bull ghost that's how I imagine Winston Churchill's ghost would be he'd just like (laughs) be like you are pissing me off and blow the smoke (laughs) Um, but he's often seen in a top hat top hat and a coat Okay, and he's often seen at like the top of the stairs like on the landing so that's where he tends to hang out and then Anna, the mother, she is one of the most active ghosts. Um, she's often seen in the parlor wearing a green dress and sipping tea. And I tell you, that is my dream eternity, like sitting in a beautiful room, sipping tea in a beautiful dress. I love that idea as my eternity. <laughs> Honestly, that's my daily routine. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like that will be one of our eternities, probably. All kinds of wonderful tea. um so yeah so she's often seen in the parlor um and then I do want to say there have been a couple of incidents where um the police have been called because of Anna oh no Anna girly (laughs) I know so one of the incidents was when a tour guide was locking up for the night and this person was like setting the alarm and punching in the code and then he heard or I don't know if it's he or she they heard a voice saying, why are you here? Mm-hmm. So this person runs out, <laughs> freaked them out. They ran out. Um, and so because they hadn't finished punching in the code, the alarm went off. <laughs> no. Which I love this story. So the police came um, and they saw, they saw Anna through the window. They could see her in there and they came in. And once they came in, she d- just disappeared. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, you normally think of police being like, oh, that's not real. That didn't happen, whatever. But apparently it's documented. The police are like, yeah, we saw her. She disappeared. No big deal. Um, and then there was another incident because I guess people report hearing crying at night. Mm-hmm. And that does make me wonder if this is Violet and not Anna, but it could be either way because there was a lot of grief there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so sometimes people have called the police police saying we hear a woman crying in this building and uh when the police have come um there was well I mean they see her through the window often I guess that's kind of a pretty regular thing not just the police but people passing by will see a woman standing in the window um but there was one incident where a police officer came into the house and saw her and said are you okay and then she looked at him and smiled and then disappeared hmm it so, feels like she just wanted someone to acknowledge her pain or something. But I just think it's cool that police are acknowledging they've seen these things because I feel like they're usually not going to be open about that stuff. So I think it's cool. Yeah, I feel like there's there's one case. Like, I it reminds me of, like, I don't, I think, like, some podcast I listened to did an episode about, like, road trip ghosts and someone was talking about someone who hitchhikes all the time. Oh, maybe oh. Bridgewater Triangle. I feel I I've heard this recently, but they were talking about how like everyone sees this hitchhiking ghost and whatever. And so if you call the police and give a description of the hitchhiking ghost, like you're like, I was driving and this person came into my car and da da da. And a lot of times they're like, Oh yeah, that's just like whatever, like he exists. Like I think sometimes in like smaller communities that is a thing. But it 
it's kind of cool to me. Like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I know I mentioned before that, you know, the house was used for lots of different things. So there is a courtroom. Okay. And um, in the like back corner of the courtroom, they consider that a paranormal specialist consider that a spiritual vortex. There's a lot of energy in that. Um, so it's kind of the like last chair in the jury box. So it's like the very back corner of the room, but it's where the jury would have sat. Um, so there's just a lot of activity there. There's often a woman seen sitting there and she's kind of, you know, sad, head down kind of a vibe, but she's often seen sitting in that last chair in the jury box. I feel um, like you saw that in a Ryan and Shane episode. <laughs> I'm going to get to Ryan and Shane in a bit. <laughs> sorry 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 um and then you know just other weird happenings in the house so there's like sometimes weird mist lights turning on off on and off by themselves um the crystals in the um the lamp in the parlor room often will just swing with no signs of like any reason why they would start swinging um and then, yeah, so a lot of people will say the Whaley House belongs to the people who have called it home over the many years that it's been standing. Huh. Um, and then I'm going to get back to Yankee Jim for a minute. So there, I mean, it's been like more than half a century that people have been saying that they see Yankee Jim. Um, and then the spot where he was hung. So again, that archway that kind of leads into the parlor Okay. People really do say they feel choking sensations there um, and like despair and like hopelessness and like all of that, that stuff. And mm. people, uh, the historians say that that archway is where the gallows would have stood back in the day. So it seems like that is a very like clear point in time where there is a lot of pain and suffering and trauma um, and death. And so that archway in particular has like more of a menacing kind of a feel to it. Hmm. And then, you know, and so he's the only ghost or spirit that's there that people kind of describe as menacing, but I'm going to go back to what we've already said, which is like, I don't blame him. Like, you know, I feel like he got a sentence that was way more than what his crime deserved. I agree. Not carried out in a very, um, I don't know, humane way. And then, you know, they were not honorable with his body after death. Like, I just feel like he has a lot to be angry about. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to hate on him for that. No, like, I will let him have his feelings and his emotions and, like, his his afterlife should be what he wants it to be, honestly. Like, with that, I mean, everyone should be what they want it to be. But, I mean, yeah, his especially. He had a hard go of it. Like, yeah. But I'm just saying I'd be a little moody too and I'd be a little unsettled and I'd be a little annoyed <laughs> you know so I'm not gonna hate on him for it no no, no. Um, yeah so um and then you know, I will say that one of the interesting things is funny because we just talked about like alphas and that sometimes being a matriarchal kind of a thing yeah, but it seems like Anna has some power in the house because people have said that her spirit kind of holds authority over Yankee Jim because people have like reported experiencing some of his negative energy or the choking or that kind of thing. And then they'll hear her voice commanding him to leave. And it seems like he obeys her. 
So she'll be like, leave them alone. And then that spirit or that feeling will leave. So um, yeah, it sounds like Anna has a little bit of power. <laughs> so more power to you, sister. Yeah, girly pop. Woo woo. All right. So that was all I had for my notes. Okay. But I did watch Shane and Ryan because I know you are a huge fan of them. When you were living with me temporarily during quarantine and all of that, I, I caught on to some of that. Um, I follow so, daily. Like, I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, and then anytime I travel with you, I know that's what you like to watch falling asleep if it's not Ted Bundy. So, um, yeah, yes, so I, I have definitely taken in some Shane and Ryan. I love them. I think they're adorable human beings. They are so cute. I just want to like rave on them for a second. Like, okay, they, go for it, girl. Okay, I love them. Like, they're all of Watcher is amazing. Like, if you ever watch any of the Watcher stuff on YouTube, do it. They're amazing. But they're doing like a food review one now where they're like going to restaurants and eating food. So, like, they're still doing their ghost stuff and their murder stuff and their whatever. But, like, I love that they're just like being foodies and doing their thing now. Anyway, I just love yeah. them. <laughs> They also went through a friend divorce and apparently have reunited. And I don't know what the friend divorce was. It was like a joke that happened, but (laughs) I don't know anything about that, but I think they're adorable. They're so Uh, cute. I I love the way they play off of each other. I love the way that Ryan is a scary cat (laughs) and Shane like challenges him to do things. I think it's so adorable. Oh my Um, God. Especially I feel like on their new show, because like they have to like kind of investigate on their own every episode and so like I feel like Ryan will be going through and he'll be freaking out and Shane's like I haven't heard Ryan scream yet it'll it, it's coming prompting like <laughs> do that and, and well I watched two different episodes of theirs on the Whaley house because they've gone twice um and they definitely did the 20 minutes on their own thing um and yeah it's a very different vibe <laughs> because Shane is like eh, I'm just like twiddling my thumbs you know and Ryan's like oh, oh, oh you know he's like freaked out at every turn um so yeah they're they're just funny they're adorable yeah. um so um, some of the interesting things were like when they were in the um, courtroom, specifically in the jury box, mm-hmm. um, Ryan definitely felt some shivers and like feeling very unsettled when sitting there. The mm-hmm. flashlight definitely was turning on and off as they were asking questions. So like kind of responses. It was um, like an intelligent response too. It seemed to be. Yeah. Okay. And then. Like they had audio while they were in that part of the space. They had two audios that seemed kind of um, like intelligent and like in line. So they had one audio that said the light. I think it said the light. It was kind of hard to tell, but they think it says the light. And then audio two said died. And that would make sense. You're in a jury box and all of that stuff. There was a lot of death there. Um, And then they did this spirit box thing where like Shane had um, like the headphones on and he would just say, oh my God, that is like my favorite thing ever. The the human walkie talkie. Yes. It was so stupid. Um, (laughs) But so there were some things that were like, oh, that could be something. And then there were some things that were just ridiculous so I'm just going to read the multiple things that Shane was rattling off. <laughs> so he said, change, respond, snake tester, afraid, horses, juicy, sister, 
por favor, murder, jelly, now, tomato, big lung, nude, purple, September, thief. <laughs> so some of them work, some of them don't. <laughs> yeah. Some of them were like, oh yeah, that could be a thing. And some of them were like, is this just random? <laughs> you know? Um, but it was entertaining to watch Shane just yell things out. And Ryan's like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Can I say something about Shane being the human walkie-talkie for a second? I don't yeah. know what episode it is or what location, but there's one where Shane essentially picks a fight with the spirit box. Like, whatever it's telling <laughs> Like, like kill you ghost and like tries to like punch the ghosts. So, <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I don't think it was the Whaley House episode, but I don't remember which one. But there's one if you all watch Ghost Files and he yeah. has a moment. <laughs> okay. And then um, I mean, I just find them very entertaining. So if you've never seen them, totally look them up. They're adorable and hilarious um, and stupid and adorable. I'm just going to keep saying adorable because I'm a mom and I find them very adorable. Um, I aspire, like I, I aspire to be friends with them. Like I want to run into them in LA someday and just be like, will you be my friend? And just hang yeah. out with ghosts all day. That's all I want. <laughs> Um, so they do hear a voice, like, I think it was in that same room to, saying leave, you know, and so they were like, oh, damn, okay, I guess we'll leave. Um, and then they did have the REM pod set up and the REM pod is the one that like, uh, you know, if you, if something gets close to it, it will like light up and it will note temperature changes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so they had it like on this stairs um and it definitely so they they had I think there was two different scenes like one was where it was in the middle of the stairs and it was definitely like going off and showing temperature changes and then you know lights were happening and then um yeah Ryan was at the top of the stairs and he heard like a rocking chair in one of the rooms and he was like is there a rocking chair like I, that's what the sound I'm hearing and then they went into that room and it was the nursery and there was a rocking chair in there Wow. Um, so that was the thing. And then, um, uh, they use the obelisk in the nursery, but it was just sort of some like different words, <laughs> which one of them I think you will find funny, but the first words were dive page rapture release. And then he said, describe me. <laughs> and I'm telling you what it sounds like is drunk history. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious because we love that show. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. It really does sound like drunk history. Did they, is that what they like wrote as what they heard? Yeah. So yeah. I just think that's funny because that show is highly entertaining. They have a show called Too Many Spirits where they like get drunk and talk about ghost stories. Oh, really? So they it is do. a drunk history kind of vibe. I didn't know that, but that's yeah, funny. It's, it's a part of Watcher. I, I'm telling y'all, subscribe to Watcher. They're great. <laughs> yeah. And then at some point they said what happened in this room and the word that came through was slain. Yankee Jim. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, so I mean, it just, you know, I mean, and obviously when they did their 20 minutes alone, <laughs> you know, 
Shane hears and jumps at all kinds, or I'm sorry, Ryan hears and jumps at all kinds of things. And Shane is like, literally sitting there like, do, 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 like nothing's happening. I don't care. This isn't scary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was highly entertaining. And then I know that the last time we talked, I um, mentioned that because I watched this episode on YouTube, um, I ended up seeing that other YouTubers, the, I think it's Sam and Colby or something. Um, But they had an episode there. And of course they're very believers in go see things. And so very jumpy, but one of the things that happened in that um, episode that was really interesting was and I, you know, I, I don't know these kids. I just saw them when I was looking at the Stanley and Whaley house stuff. So, um, but apparently they had visited before and there's a clock on the mantle in the parlor. And when they had visited before the clock stopped and the tour guide had said that never happened before that clocks never stopped, you know, because it's, um, it doesn't have a bat or it, um, or it chimed because it doesn't have a battery and it doesn't tick or anything. But when they were there, it chimed and it was moving. Um, and then when they went there again, it was doing that again. And, and the tour guide again was like, this doesn't happen. And yeah. so he couldn't explain why the clock was chiming because it shouldn't be if there's no battery. Um, and of course they felt all kinds of things, but I do think they're kind of young and they're whatever, but they had like REM pods and, and things like that, that were also going off. Um, and then <laughs> I will say, um, in the master bedroom, what is it? It's like SIS. What is that thing that has like the, um, kind of, um, stick figure kind of images? Oh, the, um, the, I think it's SIS. Yeah. The, yeah. I know what you're talking where they like the stick figures just kind of like, are there? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I will say that Shane and Ryan, they were in the, the Whaley's bedroom. So Anna and Thomas's bedroom. And there was clearly a stick figure on the bed. <laughs> but at some point, it did look a little pornographic. I'm not going to lie. It looked like it might be pleasuring itself or something. And so they were joking about it. But it really literally did look like somebody was having a good time. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. Get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then on the ovulus, um, when they were... Um, I think they were like in Violet's room or something. They were talk trying to talk to Violet or something. And there was two different words that came out and one of them was violent and one of them was high. <laughs> so hmm. I don't know if they were trying to say there was violent death or something like that, but that was some of the things that came up. So hmm. anyways, they're just fun. I don't know how much stock to put in any of that stuff, but it was like highly entertaining to watch. Yeah. And yeah. I really think that when I go down to get my little Phoenix tattoo, I think that we should visit the Whaley house. Cause I've never been there. And I yeah. have a Whaley house story. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to like totally steal the thunder from, and that's why we drink, but Christine actually ended up going to the Whaley house with a friend and when they were there, um, I, I personally have never been inside, so I don't totally know how it's set up, but they were on a tour where they were on the lower level mm-hmm. and Christine saw a guy walking on the upper level and it was mm-hmm. her and a kid who saw the guy. 
and the kid was like who's that guy and Christine was like oh it's probably someone on another tour don't worry about it and the tour guide's like what are you talking about no one's supposed to be upstairs right now and but then, that's probably Thomas Whaley because he's often seen on the landing yeah yeah so Christine most likely saw Thomas Whaley just one time oh. and she like totally thought it was just like a dude so wow yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm interested in visiting it. Plus, you know, San Diego is one of my favorite cities in California. So any excuse to go to San Diego, but definitely since I'm going to be down there for my tattoo, you should join and we can make a lovely weekend of it. Girl, let me know. I mean, I'm down. I feel like I don't really need an excuse to go to San Diego. I just need <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a like Tuesday could be an excuse for San Diego. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, I had a really stressful day today. Yeah. I'm going to San Diego. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's such a place that like, there is so much sad history because again, the gallows being there. And if Yankee Jim was killed for that, I don't know what other people were killed for. Um, but there seems like there could have been some injustice there. And then the family history, I mean, it's just sad to lose two children, you know, one to scarlet fever, one to suicide. But I mean, it's just a sad history. And so I, it doesn't surprise me that some spirits haven't been able to move on. Well, and I do feel like it's important to acknowledge, like, San Diego is so close to the Mexican border that like, there probably could have been some sort of you know, Mexican settler conflict issues over there. Like, I feel like I, um, Bagel Bites did an episode, um, on his show where they just toured like Old Town San Diego. They did a separate like Wheelie House episode, but they just did the Old Town part. And when they were there, like a lot of it was rooted in like Mexican sort of, I don't know, stories or tradition and that sort of thing. And so I do wonder if there's some of that associated with the Whaley House as well. Like, I feel like that just, it makes sense. There's a lot of energy there. So, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't watch his episode only because I'm just not a big fan of his. Like, he bothers me. He's yeah. I, like I find him irritating. And um, yeah, I just, there's something about his energy that like really sets me off. So I did not watch that episode, but I know it's a thing and I know he likes to taunt ghosts. So I'm sure there's stuff there, but I just can't bring myself to do it because I'm so not a fan of his. He's the king of the douchebags and yeah, uh, anyone can fight me on that. You know, I'm right. So like, yeah. But I think I said it before and I'm going to say it again, but he is an entrepreneur because he has found a way to make probably lots of money on it and his museum and all the things like he's doing his thing. So I'm not going to hate on anybody for doing their thing and finding oh. success, more power to you. But I just cannot take his energy. <laughs> it's just not yeah. my thing. His energy is a lot. Even the Haunted Museum is a lot. Like he has tour guides. But there are certain rooms where suddenly it's a video of him popping up and he's like, okay, when yeah. I discovered this thing. And it's like, Zach, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm like, no one cares. Yeah, it's funny because there's like a bit of him that feels narcissistic. But there's a part of me that's really like, but that's all feigned. Like, I feel like deep down, he has like no self-esteem. So he like. <laughs> puffs up his chest to seem bigger than he actually thinks he is you know I don't know I just it all feels very phony to me like I don't believe in 
who he tries to present. So I have a hard time watching him. No, and he's so interesting because I think he's really made it work for himself with his Ed Hardy and Acid Watch jeans. I mean, yeah. he's really done what he's got to do to get famous. Um, yeah. And I I respect it. Like, yeah. I, he's an entrepreneur. He has like 10 spinoffs. He has the museum. He yeah. has, like he became friends with the Warrens. So I know he has access to their shit too. Like he is yeah. just like so well immersed in this now, like good for him, but yeah. sometimes he's a little irritating. <laughs> well, and you know, I really am more power to you. If you find a way to like make things work for you and whatever, you know, I think that's amazing. And he is highly successful. So, you know, more power to him. He's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> Yes. He chooses to live in Vegas, which is like a choice. I wouldn't want to live in Vegas. Would you? I know you've been to his museum and everything. So the museum's cool. I will say the museum is cool, but it's like spooky ooky, right? Because he has like a whole room dedicated to like serial killers. But then he also has like this one part that feels like a haunted house. Like there's like strobes and just like clown dummies just like hanging from the ceiling and shit, which is like, why is this here? Yeah. And then you like get to one part. And I think it's like, honestly, a palate cleanser before we get to like some of the darker stuff, because like you go in and it's like, like his favorite movie is Ghostbusters. So he owns like a ton of the original shit from Ghostbusters. He has a room dedicated to like 80s movies. (laughs) It's like I'm a fan of 80s movies, so I I will oh, agree with him on that. Then <laughs> I respect it, but it's like he has like the Ghostbusters, and then he has like Patrick Swayze's wallet that he had when he died, and then you have like I mean he just has this random shit from like 80s movies and icons, and like huh. he recently got James Dean's car, which I'm going to do an episode on. No, you don't take that, but I will oh. not take that, honey. James Dean's car. He got part of it or something. So that'll be really interesting. But he's is the car haunted? Is that a thing? Girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I will let you do that because I don't know anything about that. It's a cursed object in my oh, um, fun. Very fun. Um, but yeah, so I just feel like he's such an interesting guy. Um, but yeah, so it's like such a weird mix of like stuff that like is probably haunted, like linked to like you know possession cases and things and then it's like the room of like serial killer shit like he has ted bundy's kill bag and like he has charles manson's ashes like who wants that why would charles manson consent to that (laughs) well you know it's funny because you know that i have a friend that has interviewed charles manson and you know there's like things about it that are fascinating but yeah i don't think i would want any object i don't know but i'm not i'm not a hoarder i'm not somebody who likes to hold on to things that are unnecessary in my life so you know that stuff i don't know none of that would be things that i would want to hold on to but i understand why people would want to see that stuff Yeah, I think, like, for me, like, I respect, like, the Museum of Death. Like, I think it gets a lot of flack, but, like, they have, you know, Ted Bundy's car and things from the Columbine kids and, like, that type of thing. And, but they do it in an attempt to bring awareness and recognition of the tragedies that actually happened. But, like, I feel like with the Haunted Museum, like, especially, like, the serial killer part, it just seems so, I don't know, forced and it seems like he's trying to make it seem more cursed than it is mm-hmm. like he has a couple of like John Wayne Gacy's paintings and he has Dr. Kevorkian's van and he has like all these things that are like 
yeah, potentially energy could be linked to them. I'm not saying they aren't, but like me personally, me, myself, and I did not feel anything looking at that stuff compared to some of the other stuff in the museum. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I haven't been to Vegas in a while. Um, we used to go every year, but now we go to Palm Springs instead. But, um, but you know, if I ever went back, I, I would probably go to the museum. Like, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting because I'm interested in this stuff. But yeah, just as I a would, human, he's not my cup of tea. I would want to go again, but I'd personally want to do the flashlight tour, which is like yeah. 200 bucks. Like, because I did like the just basic tour where, you know, yeah. you and 20 other people are walking through. Um, that being said, there were rooms I would avoid. Yeah. Uh, like PTD would not do. We will cover her. She's terrifying. Um, but also just like there are things that I think me personally, if I was like alone in a museum and knew that was there, I could not be in the same room as like specifically the room of haunted dolls could not be <laughs> <in that room. laughs> um yeah it's funny I know I like the I was doing that um watching the show where they did the clown music or the clown hotel you know we've driven past that clown hotel like when you're driving through Nevada or whatever that is a crazy um, thing that you is just drive by and be like I would not want to be in there <laughs> that's not my thing so haunted clowns haunted dolls not my vibe like I'm okay I'm good I mean, we all know my history of haunted clown, haunted clowns, cursed clowns. I am not a fan of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I- funny when I was in um, New Zealand. You know, we did a tour like rainforest and like the black sand beach and all that. And I don't remember the name of the place we stopped, but it was like a little museum with old kind of things in it, old timey things, and. They had all of these dolls that you could buy that belonged to like the granddaughter of whoever. I don't remember the details, but I was like, who in the hell would buy these dolls? <laughs> to me, they like gotta be cursed. But there was like a million dolls like laid out that you could buy the dolls. And I was just like, no, I don't think I want to take any of these dolls home. No, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, just- <laughs> I think I think if you have a doll like a haunted doll or a doll that like is over 10 years old you're you're opening yourself to a portal like yeah. I don't know that's terrifying yeah when it's funny though like you look at the like Whaley house and you know it's something that like at the time it was such a, a big structure it was like revered as this like amazing space and building and um you know you look at it now it's like in old town sacramento and there's just a bunch of bars and restaurants around <laughs> it was just <laughs> such a funny contrast i guess um but yeah but i look forward to going there with you someday hopefully in january sometime but um yeah we'll have to do like an extra bonus episode about that if yeah. we go but that'd be really fun yeah, no, that'd be really fun. I, I've, I've always wanted to go. I've seen the Whaley House. I've just never been inside, so yeah. I'd love to go inside. Um, but yeah, it's on my list for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's about all I had on it. But um, yeah, the Shane and Ryan episodes are entertaining as always, and they are adorable. That's all I'm going to keep saying is they're adorable. I love their energy. I love the way that they play off of each other. It's so just like hanging out with your best friend it's really great <laughs> yeah like 100 percent. just like subscribe to watcher all of them not just shane and ryan like the whole group they're just like awesome dudes who like yeah. there's not just dudes all of them are awesome 
Um, and they just seem to really love what they do and have a lot of fun doing it. And that's all you could really ask. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess housekeeping things. Uh, our first bonus episode is now posted to Patreon. So if you want to listen to that, subscribe to Patreon. Um, also keep, you know, sending us spooky stories and things. We're going to, you know, try to get a listener's episode of some sort going for you all. Um, so it doesn't just have to be a ghost story. It could be a murder story, a weird encounter with a hitchhiker. I don't care what it is, anything wild, or even just like a serendipitous moment, anything that you think is neat, just send it our way. Cause we would love to hear your stories. Um, and outside of that, I think, um, that's really all the housekeeping. Do you have anything, mom? I don't think so, but I'm excited for Halloween. It's going to be lots of fun. And I appreciate having the time with you, my sweet. And, um, yeah, I really, it's fun to see the listeners from different places. Like we had a United Arab Emirates and an India recently this week. Um, so I just am fascinated by the fact that this can reach so far. And this is just something that a mother and daughter want to like hang out together and tell fun stories. And it's so cool that it's reaching all of these different places. So, um, oh, I'm loving watching our map grow. I think that's very cool. I know. And we have like, I don't know if someone just like binged in the Midwest, but like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like on our little like analytics map, like the more listens you get, the darker the like dot gets. Mm -hmm. And there's like the darkest dot we have is in the Midwest somewhere. So whoever you are in the Midwest, like power to you. Thank you for listening. Um, Yes, we appreciate all of you. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's so fun, you know, because we both have our separate careers and just having this as a fun space to connect and, and bond with each other, bond with all of you. It's really fun. Um, And I know that we are new to all of this, but yeah, I'm just enjoying the ride. It's very cool. So yeah. So, but I appreciate you listening to my story in Miss Alana and I look forward to planning a trip to Wheatley House. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait. I'm going to look at my calendar when we get off this call, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I appreciate you telling the story and spending your Tuesday evening with me, of course. I know it's been a long day, girl, but you know, it's funny. Like, I always feel like I'm going to be too tired to do this. And then as soon as we start, I'm like, I love seeing your smile. I love telling stories and laughing together. So um, it's a beautiful way to spend a Tuesday evening after a long day of work. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. And our lovely listeners, I hope you are enjoying spending your Wednesdays or whatever days you listen with us. Um, And we just appreciate you so much. And we want you to know that. So, yeah, absolutely. All righty. All right. Well, good night, y'all. And um, yeah, we keep sending your stories and we really do appreciate you. Yes, we appreciate you so much. Bye, friends. Bye, friends.